1: The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to The Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, and my guest today is my good friend Daniel L. Garner. Our reasonable voice today is Daniel L. Garner. How's that? He's a graduate of the University of Virginia, where he spent several years working collaboratively with other artists at Unoya, a creative community Daniel helped develop in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mr. Garner now lives on his Central Virginia farm with his wife and now three children, so he's Uh not retired and still finds time to run Mead Lake Lodge, a wedding venue, and enjoy photography, especially as the photographer of Frozen Glory Photography. Daniel teaches piano and is the creator of the Daniel L. Garner Pattern Method, which, by the way, because of the coronavirus COVID-19, is now available for anyone to try for free. A finalist of the 2020 UNO Press Lab Prize... Daniel Garner writes under the pen name of O.G. Rose, articles expressing his interest in irony, misinterpretation, subtle distinction between delusions and vision. We could really use some of that. Um, trade-offs between competing goods. His creative works appear in the Right Launch, that's W-R-I-T-E, Launch, uh, Allegory Ridge, Streetlight Magazine, Ponder Review, and upcoming publications in pigeonholes and ashore press. So, welcome, my friend Daniel L. Garner. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well, Marcello. Thank you for having me today. It's always a delight to speak
1: with you. Same here. We we we, we always say we're going to do more of it, but we're busy people. But that's okay. <laughs> it occurs to me, Daniel, every time your wife Michelle gives birth, you come on my show. Is that my imagination? <laughs> You know, I guess that's how the schedule has fallen. (laughs) Yeah, I just know the well. Your your bio, of course, and introduction keeps growing. In any case, but it does seem that uh, each time I have to uh, add another digit for a member of the Garner family. But in any case, I hope all (laughs) are well during all this uh, turmoil, health-wise and otherwise. Everybody's happy and and healthy down there. Oh
0: yes, oh yes. No, we've we've been very fortunate. Uh, You know,
1: a lot of people always worry about us being in the country,
0: disconnected from everything, but now they're all
1: asking if they could come stay with us.
0: Yes. You know, it's It's quite nice. It's
1: been good down here. (laughs) Let's start with O.G. Rose, especially as I mentioned, the writings of O.G. Rose are appearing in a number of publications. How did both Mm -hmm. the name O.G. Rose and being widely published come about, and how long has this been going on?
0: Oh, goodness. Well, I started a science fiction series called The Sword of Tribulation in fifth grade, and uh, Miss Sanborn says she liked it, so I just kept at it for about 20 or so years. So that didn't hurt. And the name comes from, you know, my wife and I do a lot of this, so I'll write something and then she'll review it, or still write something and I'll review it. So it's Offerman, Garner, Rose, Rose being her middle name. Uh, so we put those together to make a name. And uh, it's been going on for a while. I mean, we've really kind of hit up sending out things to publications. You know, you have a lot of these literary magazines like the Iowa Review, Boulevard, Missouri Review. We got an email from them this morning showing interest uh, from from different ones. And, you know, I think for anyone who's listening who wants to write, you know, it's really important to just regularly every week say set a quota where you say, okay, I'm going to send out 10 pieces to 10 different magazines and then every week just keep, keep at it because it takes you know it can take four to five to six months to hear back and you know at this point i've had probably a hundred rejections but hey you know if you get for every hundred rejections if you get 20 publications well there you go exactly you going and going i mean so much as you know yourself for being so deep in the art world i mean so much about making it in the art world is just taking the punches and not giving up exactly going and refining and figuring it out so i would encourage all of the writers out there you know, the other thing that was really helpful is I went back and read a book called From, From Where Dreams Come by a man named um, Robert Butler, mm-hmm. and he really helped me sort of specialize and sort of fix some of the mistakes I was making in the writing to, to help make the writing more visual, help it easier for reader, readers to picture a movie in their head, mm-hmm. and that has certainly had a big impact. Uh, I mean, the amount of uh, the amount of publications shot up hundreds of percent after that change. So any of the writers out there, just don't give up. Set a quota for how many you do a week. And then I would suggest that book by Butler called From Where Dreams Come. I just thought that was magnificent. I read that back in December, and it was it was very influential. Wow.
1: Well, thanks for mentioning that. You know, when I teach actors, I always tell them, you and writers too, I'm a script doctor, you know, uh, and when people send me a script, they ask, well, how are you going to make a decision? And I say, in the first five pages... If I don't see the movie in my mind, you know, you need to make that happen. That's number one. But also oh, this, yeah. this idea of uh, you have to eat a certain amount of rejection and, mm. and denial every day to get that one, uh, you know, that you want, because you're, you're absolutely right. That ratio of yours that you mentioned, if you have to be told no 80 times to be told yes 20 times, it's worth it. It's it just, oh, yeah. you know, it's worth it. Okay. So you were the finalist with the, what University of New Orleans? Is, is uh, what's, yep, what's, yep. Uh, uh-huh. and, and what's the press lab down there? What what's up with that?
0: Well, that's it's a writing program out of the University of New Orleans, and actually one of their poets just got a Pulitzer. Uh, uh-huh. so it's a good press, and they really liked a book called Turn the World to, to Turn the World, which I've been working on and sending on to different agents. So that that was really encouraging, um, and. It's been nice, too, because some of the agents at uh, Frident or some of the other places have said the writing shows merit. But again, you get, you know, they say, but you got to do this, that and so forth. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do you then curl up at a ball and say, oh, they just don't understand me and give up? You You know, I mean, I think sometimes it is really important for artists not to take rejection personally, to to just make it happen. Yes. Because, I mean, we've got to understand, I think, sometimes as artists that the editors, the publishers, they're in a tight spot, too. I mean, it's not easy to read hundreds of works, make decisions, and, and they also have to pay the bills at the end of the day. Yes. You know, publishing a book is a big deal. It can sink some of these smaller presses. Uh, So they're not out to get you. They're just trying to make something that people will read. And often their suggestions are very very good. So obviously as a finalist, I didn't quite win the prize, but it was a very good experience and also very helpful in figuring out the directions. And they actually emailed and were hoping I would submit again. So so that's always encouraging too. Uh, So, you know, so that's, uh, like I said, you just keep keep at it.
1: And what, uh, tell us again, what uh, work did you submit and tell us about that work?
0: That one day people walk outside and look in the sky and there are millions of people just floating there looking down at them uh and it's very freaky and people are really concerned but then two weeks go by and nothing happens so then people try to go back to living their lives as if those people aren't up there floating in the sky and the story focuses particularly on two twins that live in the country uh bedford virginia uh who are trying to keep the family farm and they try to go about their business as if these people are not there uh, and a lot of it was inspired by pluralism, a lot of it by the political tensions where people feel like there's something over them all the time. A lot of the sociology of Hunter, Berger were inspiring it. And uh, and then, you know, one day people go outside and it looks like the people are lowering. So then, you know, the story goes from there.
1: Interesting. That's a good teaser. You've, you've got your elevator speech all well said. that's for sure. Tell tell me, you know, you I know, as I mentioned in the bio, but I know you live on a lovely farm. I visited it at least a couple of times. I think I go every time the child is born. Um, <laughs> I, but I, but I haven't uh, met the third one yet. But tell me, what uh, what sort of farm is it? it? What's the adjective for your farm? Uh, it's Angus beef, or what what, it,
0: what is it you guys do? There you grow? go, Black Angus. We do with cattle, beef farm. Uh, you know, beef and hay. And uh, and then we have a really big garden where Michelle grows a lot of nice stuff. Uh, you know, we got the corn. If the deer would leave it alone. Uh, yeah. But mostly, you know, we do uh, we do we do uh,
1: cattle. Uh huh. Okay. I think I remember you telling me that once, but I just want everyone else to know. So, what should we expect from the Iowa Review or the Wright Launch? Tell us.
0: What? What's... Oh, well, the Iowa Review took a poem that we did called "My Cup," uh-huh. uh, and they featured it, which was nice. The Wright Launch uh, accepted a short story called "Esperanza." both of which you can find it on our website or if you go to their website and our website, and I know you'll ask for it later because you're a good man, but just so the <laughs> listener has it, you know, ogrose.com. And it's nice because the Right Launch also wants to nominate it for a postcard prize, which is a prize for the small presses, which is which is real nice. Yes. Uh, so 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 the Right Launch, you have a short story, and My Cup, you have a poem. Well, tell, the Iowa Review.
1: tell us about My Cup. It's an interesting, yeah. Go ahead.
0: Well, my cup, the general premise of it is someone is examining the uh, coffee cup that they wake up in the morning uh, and drink, and they're thinking about how they almost have a closer relationship with the inanimate (laughs) object than they do with people, Uh, how it's something that they faithfully take with them to work, take down to the beach to sip, um, something that they turn to, and how it's actually something something that they're closer to, and yet it's not something that you can love. Mm -hmm. It's only something that you can like. Uh, and, and so it kind of explores that sort of thing. It's not a long poem. It's, it's a shorter one. It's not like Paradise Lost or anything. So it just kind of goes through that interesting relationship people have to
1: objects. You know, that's, I, I, well, I've read it, So, but I wanted to ask you about it again so you, everyone else could hear something about it. Um, I found the premise extremely interesting and could relate to it without the slightest problem, yeah. you know, as recently as this morning. But this is all fascinating, Daniel you are, and I've said this before you are a real Renaissance man of uh, so many things that you do so well do, do the writings of OG Rose essays poems articles have they a specific uh, subject matter focus or is it whatever the muse whispers when you get up in the morning that's
0: the- good question I mean sometimes the news will like that you'll be working on something and the news will whisper something and you go chasing it like a butterfly yes <laughs> uh, so, you know you, you have to be careful I would say the thing the unifying principle of a lot of the essays or the blogs is thinking about thinking like how is it we think how do we think well I think we spend a lot of time talking about what to think and a lot of people also think they spend a lot of time getting good at thinking. But unfortunately we don't think a lot about how thinking structures the world around us and that makes us very prone to self-deception. That makes us very prone to being taken advantage of, whether mm. it be by um, you know, experts or political forces. I think there's a lot of that going on where I think it's really important that you can't be self deceived if you know you're self deceived. Mm. Like if you know you're self deceived, then you're not. So it's just really important to be aware of how your brain works. I I always like to say that the brain is the frenemy. It's not a friend and it's not an enemy. It's what makes thought possible, but it's also in the business of tricking you all the time. Hmm. So like learning how to control it. So a lot of papers about that. I also like economics, talking about economics. But I would say the the topic of how to to think and the different ways that thinking work are, are important to me.
1: That's very interesting. Not only thinking... But how we think and why we think certain ways that we do, and going back right. to the muse, you know, but the muse is not the only culprit in this. Everyday events, any moment, something yeah. can distract us, or we, or we become the ball in the pinball machine, uh, yeah. and and bounce off of. Uh, it's it's fine to bounce off ideas with other people, but if we're constantly b- bouncing off of a different idea, are we following through?
0: We talked about like breaking news, which is the idea that, um, like, like present stories. Let's take the coronavirus for example. Okay. You know, trying to get to, you know, trying to get your head around what to think about the coronavirus can be very difficult because you get one essay, you know, get one story here, you get uh, one journal here saying you don't need face masks, then you have another saying there are face masks. Uh, then you have people saying it's not as bad as you think, and for the average person, it can be very confusing. And what the what the blog argues that it's really important for people to have training with, say, old books or studying history, because that way you're kind of training yourself to think about situations where the variables are frozen or where it kind of gets past. So it's an opportunity for you to kind of go to the gym and train your brain how to think about stuff that has already gone down, so that then you're more able, when it comes dealing with a present-day event, whether it be the coronavirus or the election or racism or these different matters, you kind of have some training by which to handle it because I would argue that present news is far more difficult to get your grasp around Mm. than, say, old books or studying the Roman Empire, not because those issues are necessarily easy, but because the information is frozen. Uh, It's not changing. It's not live. And it's kind of ironic because a lot of times the academic scholars aren't extremely interested in the, 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 the present news, like yes. the news cycle that's going on, but everyday people who don't necessarily read books very much spend a lot of time watching Fox News or CNN or MSNBC when it kind of should be the exact opposite. And then the problem is, of course, the breaking news always puts a pressure on you that the world is going to end. You know if, if, yes. if Trump win, you know, if Trump doesn't win, you know, Trump doesn't win re-election, America is going to go down. You know, if, if we if we wear a face mask, we're getting giving up our our uh, our liberty. There's always this pressure that if you don't act or you don't listen to what these politicians are telling you, then the world's going to end. And if you don't have any mental tools to fight that, you're just going to be very easy to sweep into a populist movement or to, you know, kind of get taken advantage of. So. You know, that would just be an example of, kind of how to think about thinking, how to train yourself to think, and how to prepare yourself for the world we live
1: in. It sounds like, and, and we, do, we must go to break, but it sounds like to me, besides the fact that you answered my fir- next three questions, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, it sounds like to me we are saying at the kinds of things that you're doing, for instance, because I used to do this when I was your age all the time. I read the classics. I read poetry. Mm. I've read of course history books especially political biography and it does give you a sense of balance it gives you a sense of what do right. I want to say you have something you have a foundation that that holds you steady so that whatever right. the breaking news whatever the current hyperbole from our news media is you have something by which to compare how's that does that make sense Oh yeah it,
0: absolutely you have and you have a model by which to process it
1: Yes all right, we're going to stop on that, but that's great and we'll pick it up from there after the break. our guest today Daniel L. Garner, man of many, many talents uh, writing poetry and uh, well we're, we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about his blog and and ideas are practically eyes. Stay with us, we'll be right back. And now another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Andy film Minute getting old. There comes a time when you start to realize it's too late to regain what's lost. You feel you've become too old to be relevant. The sometimes only slightly younger, the workplace and the world in general all seem to shy away. Yet even when we acknowledge that life may never again be as it once was or as we wanted it to be, choice remains. And there resides the potential for poignant, relevant and deeply moving stories. I'll See You In My Dreams, starring Blythe Danner. Must we remember this wonderfully talented star of stage and screen merely as the mother of Gwyneth Paltrow? Here, Danner plays a widow and former singer facing just such a turning point. With a little help from her friends, she makes choices again. She falls in love again with Sam Elliott, no less. She begins to end her isolation and reconnect to the life around her. This is a funny and compassionate story. A story for all of us. I'll see you in my dreams, Falls within the so-called silver dollar genre. Sensitive films that touch the heart of a certain generation. A generation that is still ever-growing. I'll see you in my dreams, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and our Reasonable Voice today is Daniel L. Garner. We're talking a great deal today, primarily about his his career as a writer. But Daniel has done many things, and, and uh, we're going to touch on all of them as as well as as best we can. But Daniel, during the break, you you said something about invitations from other magazines for your work. Tell us about that.
0: I, you know, and I wanted to mention again for anyone who's writing out there, um, it's really important to go online and look up a list of where these different writing journals uh, rank because some, uh, there's a good website, it's called uh, com. if I'm recalling correctly. You could Google it. It wouldn't be, be hard. It gets you a list of like uh, the top, there's uh, different tiers for different magazines. Like, for example, the top tier would be something like the New Yorker or the Atlantic, um, the second tier, which is still extremely good, would be like a Pileshares or a Granta or a Paris Review, and then third, fourth, fifth, and, and so on. And I was just saying that uh, we, we've been sending out to the, some of these elite tiers, like One Story, Missouri Review. The, you know, we did the Iowa AG and I, uh, and have gotten you know these high tier invitations where they want to receive more of your work. And again, it's not where well, they are saying. We can't use it this time. That what you sent us, this isn't going to match the publication. But we would for this month but we would like to use something, and we see some promise. So, again, you just just keep at it. Uh, Another one, five points, the Alaska quarterly Review, these different ones. So I would just encourage the writers out there to go look at that list and then just make a goal of taking your piece and sending it to every magazine in a tier that allows simultaneous submissions and just moving down the list.
1: And tell us, uh, how do we find that list again? Erica, What?
0: Well, the one I, and I just found this on Google, I guess probably about eight months ago looking it up. There's a website, EricaRouseWriter.com, and I get, let me see, I'll look at it. You spell it E R I K A A R O U S E, and then Writer.com, and she's got a list where it says on the the left hand, ranking of 500 fictional literary magazines, and it's just extremely helpful out where to
1: send Okay, as long as we're giving out websites, let's have yours one more time.
0: Yes, sir. OGRose.com, uh, the letter O, G, and then Rose.com.
1: Excellent. Okay, you, as I was uh, <laughs> saying, I wasn't joking about it. You had answered my next three questions, but let's go through some of that again, make sure we got everything. And I'm Tell us, for instance, the Virginia Magazine Photo Contest, what is that?
0: Photography business called Frozen Glory Photography, and uh-huh. I submitted some photographs of the uh, colonnade at the at the rotunda that they published. And then you Allegory review did a profile, uh, Street Life magazine did a profile, and then you know, Pits and Holes and some other ones like taking those photographs. And you can see a lot of the work at frozenglory.com.
1: Very good. Okay, I have a quote of yours that I I'd love to hear you talk about, and it is. If you skip the old books and go straight to the breaking news, it will probably just break you. Now, I know you kind of jumped ahead of me, <laughs> <laughs> but that quote I wanted to ask you about. And so just to elaborate, I know, as I said, you've said some things about it already, but what can you add that explains that quote as a sort of, I guess it's it's how you capsulize what that's about, Yes.
0: Yeah, that, that, that particular uh, reflection-breaking news, Oh, well, you know, that's just summarizing the idea that if you don't go back and study history, if you don't, say, read philosophy, or if you don't learn, you know, there's a field of philosophy called epistemology, which is about, you know, how to think, mental models, like ways to understand the world, then if you jump into what the 24-7 news cycle is is talking about, it's probably going to overwhelm you, or can you? you or just make you angry and make you uh, vulnerable to being taken advantage of by a ruling power, whether it be the current administration or, you know, a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot, we know that the news is extremely interested in getting clicks, and it's more in the business. I, I always tell people the news is in the business of making you feel right, more so than helping you find truth. Yes. Uh, but but there is there is information in it, but then the question is, do you have the way to sort through it? And if you don't have any training from the old books uh, or from poetry or literature, or, you know, I, I always go to or the brother of office. If you don't have any of those models, then watching a lot of the breaking news will probably just you know, it will just break you, overwhelm you, and it will it you know, will just make you susceptible to not having a good day. Uh, it, I I've never seen it, but I'd love to see a study of people's happiness level who spend 24 you know most of their day just with the news on, listening to it as opposed to people who, say, maybe have read old books and have different models and their relationship to the, the current
1: news cycle. You know, when—let uh, me put it this way. I'm not giving people an excuse because what Daniel was saying is absolutely correct. We all need to be reading more other than, right. you know, what we can find at a click on, uh, on social media. But I tell people who tell me they don't have time to read— well, find a true story, a documentary is the best, but a movie that really sticks to the facts. And I find that if a person can watch a documentary, which generally, you know, is an hour, it doesn't take that long, or even a movie, a biopic that is good, that sticks to the facts, not like the the biopics when I was your age, which is how I started out. For instance, with William Bendix, who I love as an actor, he was marvelous, but the story that when he plays Babe Ruth, there's nothing about Babe Ruth's life whatsoever, except that they play baseball games. But now, in addition to the great documentaries that can be found on Netflix and almost anywhere, oh, yeah. there are great biopics. And you can find a, a movie about almost any profession. And if you're interested in that, you watch it, you get a good foundation that makes you want to pick up the book and learn more and I, so that's, that's something if you just don't feel like you can grab a hardback back anytime, but Daniel was right. Read, read poetry. Okay. All right. Enough of and, me. and I
0: would, and I would say I agree with that completely. I mean, if people were watching biopics or watching some of these amazing documentaries instead of watching the news, uh, they would, they would find that much more productive. And I'm not saying to be completely uninformed. The pro, and it's, you know, it has that kind of highlighted underline in the document. It's like, I'm not saying to be uninformed. The problem is people are out of balance. They're yeah. not balanced at all. They're, they're taking all of this breaking news cycle and not, say, watching the biopics or reading the book. You know, if, if the other one, you know, if everyone were to watch these IQ Square debates, that would be yes. productive. Yes. Uh, I would replace the news. If I was Lord and Emperor of the World, I would replace the news with IQ Square debates where you have... A respectable, intelligent conservative like a Robert George who's debating an intelligent, respectable Cornell West, and something productive comes out of it. Yes. Uh, as you know, as opposed to the non, you know, it's a real debate with people who engage in charity with one another
1: and are actually
0: looking for a reasonable solution. They had a wonderful one on police reform. They had a wonderful one on the drug war, the election reform. I could, I could the electoral college, uh, and that would be complete, very, very productive. So certainly, I do think they're all. There are alternatives to reading, and lots of podcasts too. In a, in a similar way, you can't really read a book while you're driving, but it is an opportunity to learn.
1: Yes. All right. I want to talk about. We've been talking about the blog, of course, but tell us about ideas are practically eyes. Oh
0: yes. Um, that was in response. You know, you hear a lot of people say, "Oh, I don't. I'm a practical person. You know, I'm not much." or those ideas or different things like that. And the problem is, though, that all practice is through ideas. Like, for example, if you want to lift a box, you need the idea to lift the box. Mm. Um, the issue, though, is that ideas are kind of like glasses. They're through what you see the world, which means that the way that they're practically useful is indirect. And since it's indirect, it seems like they're not there at all. Uh, and so it's get how important they are and to not spend any time developing your ideas or thinking about your ideas uh, because you just go, well, that's not for me. I'm a practical person. But then, of course, in order to determine what constitutes being practical, it's relative to an idea of what you believe is practical. So it's important to break down and deconstruct that dichotomy between practical people and idea people because everyone has to be both. Mm
1: -hmm. Ultimately, absolutely. Or or you're constantly dependent on the other. <laughs> That's exactly what...
0: the authority who's gonna take it, who may take advantage
1: of it. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I told you we weren't going to talk about this today, but let's slip in a little bit of it. All that you are saying, I'd like people to realize that this also applies not only to government and, and personal relationships, but private enterprise. We can't just, yeah. I, I often tell people, you can't just say Wall Street because it's not the street that's the problem, it's the people running it, and the people right. who are willing to work for it at the expense of the other people. So, right. uh, and and this huge economy that is in flux, uh, to say the least at the right. moment, affects all our lives. And the proof of it is that people are willing to risk their lives, quite literally, in order to get back to their businesses and open them up and make money. It's, an, it's right. understandable, but if you're dead, you know, what difference does it make that your business is open? And then you open your business and people are too afraid to come back. Now, with, without right. getting down into the weeds too much, I just wonder um, if someone came to you and said, hey, why should I read your work? How is it going to help me practically in my financial income? What would you say?
0: In their financial income? Yes. Um, well, the, you know, the particular work like when dealing with economics i think i would really one point out to them that the system that we have the current economic system is so fragile so here's an example a lot of people right now are throwing all their money into wall street because they're going into big bull run you know Mm -hmm. the market has gone up 30 40 percent from its from its low but if you study economic history this is probably what's called a bull Mm trap which means that the market is very likely because if you look at the Buffett indicator, the amount of money you're getting per share is the lowest it's ever been. Profits are not there. So, and we have a giant asset bubble. But if you have the idea in your head that this is an opportunity to make money because you haven't read history, then you would put your money in and you might end up losing 30000 or have it trapped in the dollars for a good 20 years. Or you're not going, maybe you write up and you don't know when to sell. So that would be like a practice. And that's kind of the thing about ideas, right? I mean, you determining when you're going to invest, or if you believe that the market rally is real, or if you believe it's an opportunity, is all going to be relative to your ideas of how the economy works. If this is real growth, or if it's an asset bubble created by the Fed that's trying to, that's trying to boost the system up because of its dual mandate, uh, that's going to have a big practical impact on you. And likewise, you know, the the, the, pay, the log you talked about ideas are practically eyes, it talks about a paper I just called On Worry,
1: mm-hmm. which it
0: talks about what, you know, how a lot of people think it's love to worry, you know, it's loving to worry about something. Well, it depends on what you mean by worry. The paper argues that worry is, uh, if, if I look outside and there's a lion outside, and I tell my my child not to go outside, that's not really worry, it's more like wisdom, yes. because there's a lion outside. If yes. they go outside, they'll get killed, but if I look outside and I don't see a lion, but I imagine there. And I tell my kid not to go outside. Well, that would be worry, uh, yes. because I have no reason to think that. But if I think that it's loving to worry, then I will think it's loving to be paranoid. And I'll end up creating a prison for my child about every possible bad thing that could happen. So that idea of what constitutes love and if it's platable with worry has a big practical impact on how you're going to treat your loved ones. And then each paper goes from there, but you can go through each topic to talk about. This is an idea, this is an erroneous idea, the conflation of love and worry, and the practical consequences are done.
1: Okay. Daniel, we don't have much more time, but I do want to mention, I think I mentioned it in the intro, that your piano pattern method, when you were on the show, you mentioned in November 2019, we talked about it. Are there any new developments or marketing updates we should know about, and how do we find out
0: about it? Well, because of the, the coronavirus, we decided to just open it up and let every, everybody try. I mean, if everyone's at home and they've always wanted to learn that instrument, then it's a good opportunity for it. So the, the whole product is free now for anyone to try and sample. I mean, we certainly take uh, donations if anyone feels so compelled, and that's appreciated. But it, but it's all available. You can find it on YouTube, the entire course, dlgpm.com, uh, so the letter D, the letter L, the letter G. Com, and there you can find everything. We've got lots of testimonies from people that have used it. And, and as we talked about, the, the innovation of the method is to teach instruments using visual patterns, where if you stay within those patterns, you're going to be able to just make the music you want to make. It just simplifies it a lot.
1: Excellent. You really have mastered the number one thing that anyone, any entrepreneur, any uh, self employed person has to have. And we euphemistically referred to as your elevator pitch. Uh, you, you really know to succinctly answer exactly what the thing is about. And sometimes in, in some cases, especially where you're operating now at the level at which you're operating, that's what they want. you got you know you've got your 60 seconds, 90 seconds, tell me and then that's it. and you're doing it, you're doing it it's so good. Lots of people thank always you, have, thank you. Lots of people always wanted to learn piano, so remember to visit now. Uh, You can try it for free. Daniel, we do need to go, but we need all those websites and contact. You might even mention the the book we can learn from for writing as well, again, if you will, and Erica's, but end, of course, with O.G. Rose for us. Go.
0: No problem, Marcello. And again, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. So the website for our writing is ogrose.com, the letter O, the letter G, then rose.com find links to the uh, the Iowa Review, the Wright Law, all the different blogs we mentioned. Then the, I mentioned a book, and I'm actually going to put up a paper on it pretty soon with what I learned from it for anyone listening who's interested, maybe within a week once I edit it, is um, a book from Where Dreams Come by Robert Butler, which was just a big kind of wake-up call for me, and I highly suggest anyone who wants to write to listen to that. The website that has the list of 500 Literary Magazine is called Erica Wrote Writer, and that's the letter E, the letter R, I, K, A, K, R, O, U, S, E, Writer.com, and then it's very easy to find the list, and like I said, it's just really important for anyone out there who wants to write, just set a quota for themselves of submissions every week, and if you get rejected 100, 200, 300 times, don't give up, keep going. Even the best get rejected all the time. You can easily look up the great masterpieces of literature that got like a hundred rejections. Yes. So don't worry about it. Just keep going. Don't give up. And then lastly, the piano website, which is the visual method for learning piano, is the letter D, the letter
1: dot com. Excellent. Well, Daniel L. Garner, it's a pleasure to know you for sure. And it is a pleasure to talk to you always. It's just amazing Uh, conversations we've had in person and on radio. I appreciate all of them. And tell your lovely wife, I miss hugging her, (laughs) if you know, and the children. They're all wonderful. It's a a loving family, and we hear it in your voice and see it in your work. And of course, your wife collaborates with you, as you've mentioned, on a great deal of of what you do. So that's marvelous, too. Best of luck also with Mead Lodge and uh, how that's going to come through the coronavirus for weddings and so (laughs) forth okay all right daniel thank Thank you, you
0: marcello thank
1: you we'll be in touch you know that take care yes
0: sir thank you so much marcello it's been a delight really enjoyed
1: it same here all the best bye now all the best bye hello i'm marcello rolando the reasonable voice thanking you for joining us in becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world god give me guts is a famous d-day prayer dare conservatives and liberals together honor d-day nineteen forty four and twenty fourteen in giving innocent until proven guilty another shot Free will empowers us to emulate the greatest generation or be sovereign citizens with an open carry domestic terrorist agenda, to be defined by convenience store owners cheating Florida's lottery players, or be like Flight 33 passengers and heroically save potential gun violence victims from Seattle to Atlanta in a single day. But do we have the D-Day guts to defend the rights of Americans who continually demand our cons- Constitutional Rights, while they distort the sacred honor of the nation-defining words written therein? And do we have the D-Day guts to reach out to true conservatives who are being discriminated against by Koch-funded governors that they themselves elected? Have we D-Day guts to be Republicans that make Eisenhower and Reagan proud by liberally defeating governors who are anti-teacher, anti voter anti-citizen in Wisconsin? West Virginia, Oklahoma, Ohio, Nevada, Kansas, Iowa, Arizona, and anti renewables, cokeheads, anti middle America legislatures. However, before redefining ourselves as America, the gem of the Eddie Slovak firing squads dispatching deserters as traitors, which, by the way, was condoned by General George Washington in 1781 to deter potential Federal Hill mutineers. Let's acknowledge, in our civil war, though both North and South executed deserters, they usually waited until after a court-martial. D-Day 1944, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Prime Minister Winston Churchill, and General Dwight D. Eisenhower sent 150,000 of the greatest allied generation to take back Europe from the Nazis. And on D-Day 2014, we celebrate that for 70 years, the French, despite the insulting old Europe Rumsfeld and ugly American arrogance of freedom fries, have returned to the Normandy American Cemetery to tearfully thank America and Americans for coming to thank La yet. We can transform support our troops into a cliche of political convenience to cover up an appalling lack of medical treatment for veterans, or we can support the bipartisan Veterans Affairs Reform Bill by ejecting a Congress that has supremely failed both American civilians and those who've served them in the military. We can choose to love thy neighbor as thyself or closet our neighbors in brown backstain states in favor of lower taxes for the wealthiest while enabling legislatures to disable Medicaid expansion for the neediest and, on top of that, force legislative conversion on gay Texans. We can honor what veterans have fought, suffered, and died for, the sanctity of one person, one vote. Or we can host two AMT parties behind closed courthouse doors and, like Executive Republican Chair, use Hines County Sheriff to ignore the fact that campaign staff were left alone with private ballots cast by Mississippi voters. We can choose to take lives or choose to save lives, to protect votes or steal elections. We can choose to do better in this 2014 election than imitating Watergate and Jim Crow with photo ID abuses of justice for all. And we can put bank executives' backs against the firing wall with legal investigation, indictment, and trial by jury. We can continue the second American concentration camp where legal counsel, trial by jury, parole, and judicial sentencing is outlawed or risk being impeached for executing an end run around a do-nothing Congress of hypocrites to close a maleficent Guantanamo, a stain on America's fading reputation for human decency with conduct unbecoming. We can, as Lincoln's past, borrow and return habeas corpus, or we can be mushroom cloud gangbangers, stealing and preserving our habeas corpus for a growing police state. Yes, we can, like tornado-destroyed Greenburg, Kansas, rebuild with renewable wind towers, if only, in 2014, as we did in Operation Overlord, we reignite our United States' of we band of sisters and brothers seize the torch of lady liberty and muster the guts to outvote citizens united temper climate change and bring all our people home join us become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world